This is the Dose of Support podcast. Only healthcare people understand what we go through. So here, we share stories and self-care each month with colleagues who get it. I'm Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner, and I'm your host. Are you ready for a dose of support? Dose of support and guests hosts are not affiliated or representing an employer or organization. Remember that I'm not your healthcare provider and my guests are not here to provide healthcare advice either. But do seek out care from your own healthcare professional. Remember to protect privacy and follow HIPAA. It's hard out there. So let's find some self-care in healthcare together. Stay tuned. Huddle up, dosies. Have you ever heard of a feelings wheel? Maybe you've used it with a toddler. Maybe you've used it on yourself. Go ahead and Google a feelings wheel because I'm using one in therapy. And we're doing a daily practice where I identify the feeling before I go to bed, like how I'm feeling. Like last night, I felt some guilt, but also success. And then you identify the universality of that feeling. Like how many other people carry guilt around with them? Like mom guilt, things like that. How many other people feel successful but feel guilty because they feel successful? Um, Maybe all you recovering Catholics like me. I don't know. So then once you identify the feeling and really acknowledge that like you're not alone, then what action can you take to feel better and make a list? And so this has been one of my daily therapy practices since I started. And I wanted to share that with you because I have found it to be a way to reflect, to, um, I guess, name, name how I'm doing and not be so numb to the experience that I'm going through. I think we all go through the motions. You know, we, we have families, we have other obligations and pick up a daily practice if you haven't, because this has been very reflective for me and I wanted to share. And as we go into the Christmas season, I just want to really give you my thanks for making 2021 a little bit brighter. As you know, the podcast is really a creative outlet for me. I do this because I love it. I love the doses. I love our community. And and I, I just wanted to thank you. And I will certainly speak to you all next year. And without further ado, I want to welcome Tatiana to the show, so stay tuned. Tatiana joins the show this week from Texas as our first certified surgical technologist. She has traveled in this role and has had specialties in cardiothoracic and vascular surgery. Here to share her story and self-care is Tatiana. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) So Tatiana, I was telling you before we recorded that dose of support really aims to be truly interdisciplinary. And as a CST or certified surgical technologist, I I think we need to explore a little bit like what do you do? What is your job? So it's funny because for like in layman's terms, I always just say, well, you know, in Grey's Anatomy, you know the one nurse that's always passionate instruments? Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. But um it's just it's so much more than that and people don't really understand that. Like a day in my life, I'm literally, I come into the OR, typically I'm usually the first person in the room, making sure all of the um, specialty specific instruments and supplies are that are needed for whatever surgery we're doing for the day, whether it's open heart surgery 
or we're doing like a lobectomy for someone who has lung cancer or something, um, making sure we have all the specific uh, instruments and supplies, opening up the room, making sure everything is sterile, checking the integrity of all of the sterile supplies and instruments and our tables and everything that we're gonna use just to make sure that there's no possibility for infection. And then we scrub in and actually assist during surgery. Not everyone realizes that I'm actually in there helping during surgery. Um, I get my hands dirty, I get bloody. Mm-hmm. I've gotten sprayed in the eye and in the air with blood before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had my hand deep in someone's chest and abdomen before. So um, it is direct we're, we're, patient we're really, care. <laughs> definitely is. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, we're very hands on. I've honestly touched just about every organ in the body you can probably think of and name. And so for our queasy listeners, I just like <laughs> in your training when you went to school, like, did you know what you were getting into? Like, what kind of training do you have, and how are you prepared? I don't think I really knew what I was getting into. I knew that I was going to be assisting in surgery. I didn't think I was going to be as, I guess, helpful as I am. But I went to a technical, well, I went to a technical college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's two routes. You can either get um, a diploma, which is typically the faster route, which is what I did, which was a 15 month program. Or you can opt to get your associate's degree, which is, of course, is about a two year program. Mm -hmm. And typically you get the same education that you need because you need the same, you need to learn the same information in order to sit for the certified surgical tech um, exam. Okay. Yeah. You learn all that hands-on stuff in the classroom. It seems all textbook and straightforward. Then you get into the real world and you're like, this is not what we learned in school. (laughs) (laughs) I think the listeners can probably relate to that. No doubt. (laughs) Okay. So tell me about like these harder skills that you have, because you're not really like prepping the patients with any psychosocial skills, right? Like you're not sitting, Mm -hmm. getting consent, educating them. Like you see them when they are knocked out, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so how, tell me about these harder skills. Like, are you holding surgical instruments? Are you doing any sewing? Are you like, how are you assisting? I want to know a little bit more about that. From the point that the patient comes into the OR, really the only time that I have like, like a conversation with them is literally when they move over from the stretcher onto the operating table. And then Mm. we say, we're going to take care of them. We make sure they're safely strapped to the bed and they go to sleep. Okay. But specifically during surgery, as surgical techs, we can't sew. Um, if you want to do that, you'd have to go back and get another certification to be a certified first assist. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a little more hands-on, but we do assist with um, retracting. It, I've been in, the, in surgeries where it's just literally just me and the surgeon and he doesn't have another assistant. So I'm helping um, holding and grabbing different um, structures you know, I can't directly, like, I want to say bovie, but I, everyone doesn't know what bovying is, um, <laughs> but like cauterizing and helping um, right. with bleeding, okay. controlling bleeding. And I'm a little restricted from what I can do, but we still do a lot, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm guessing like when something's being taken out, you're taking it out. Like, like yeah. the surgeon is, is cutting whatever and you're taking it out. And then yeah. like you're holding things out of the way so the surgeon can like do whatever cutting in there. And uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And so you probably know your anatomy so well, like so well, <laughs> like way better than me. And that's saying that, I mean, I feel like I, I should know it, right? I should know it, but like, I'm not using that every day. I'm not using yeah. that, yeah. but you are like, you're like up in someone's grill all the time, <laughs> every day. Um, what's the best part of it? Like, what do you love? Like aside from patient care and like knowing that someone is leaving here better than they came in. Um, I really enjoy being in surgery. Like Mm. I absolutely love it. I enjoy the uh, more critical cases like those, you know, I used to do transplants a lot. Right. right. Those were, I think it was just being able to see exactly what we're doing to help and seeing it work in real time, if that makes sense. Like liver transplants, when we perfuse and get the blood flowing through the liver, you literally see it pink up within seconds. Yeah. Or when we did heart transplants, when you take one heart out and put the next one in and it's, it starts pumping. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just an amazing thing to see, you know? Yeah. And you get to see that all the time, that kind of thing. That, that is really satisfying. Like even to think about, I kind of have goosebumps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What's like the worst part? What do you hate about this job? It's a lot of work. Specifically, oh. <laughs> specifically doing cardiothoracic, um, and even when I was doing transplants before, it's a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on call a lot. Yeah. I am currently doing travel work, so I'm going to facilities that are short-staffed. So where I am currently, when I got there, they only had one tech to do that could do hearts. So she was oh on call gosh. for 24 hours. A oh day, gosh. seven days a week for two months straight before mm-hmm. I got there. So when oh I got there, of gosh. course, we're alternating every day, every weekend. So what you're saying is you need more surgical techs out there. Like in like you need you more. Do. Oh wow. Definitely okay. Do. Yeah. Like definitely. you never hear about that. Like I I know I, I prompted you that I might ask you about like seeing yourself on TV and you you mentioned mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy, but like you always hear about the nursing shortage, but like nobody hears about this the shortages of RTs or you know what I mean? Like all the yeah. other disciplines out there. So your would you say that your discipline is severely understaffed? It definitely is. Or um, or is it regional? No, I think that's across the country, honestly. Okay. Um, okay. Because I think I see that more, I think I understand that more because I do travel assignments. Mm -hmm. So every time it's time for me to take another assignment, I'm looking at cities across the country that are desperate for travelers. Wow. Because they're just so short staffed. Um, And luckily there's a lot of, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people as it seems like through my Instagram page that a lot of people are going to school and wanting to get into the field, but then also that's, you know, that's new people. So it takes time to get that experience. So mm-hmm. surgical mm-hmm. techs are definitely needed. Wow. Okay. See, so, like you learn something new. Okay. <laughs> so do you, like, do you actually see yourself on TV? Like on the news when, when they talk about surgery, do you see your role represented? Do I physically see it now? Yeah. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> that was easy. Just, no. <laughs> Just not at yeah, all. Yeah, no, not wow. one bit. I don't know any, I've never told someone what my profession is and they knew what it was. Wow. Okay. So yeah. we're going to change that here. We're going to educate yeah. a bunch of other healthcare <laughs> workers about 
what you do. So I love it. I'm excited for it. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, Tatiana's going to share a story from practice and some self-care. So stay tuned. back with Tatiana, our surgical technologist from Texas. Well, that's where she's currently positioned um, as a traveler. <laughs> so Tatiana is going to share a story from practice. And we've, we've just been talking about how people don't know what certified surgical technologists do. And so I think this is a really good way to get to learn about that more. And so take it away, Tatiana. All right. So I, I guess I can say the most memorable thing that's ever happened to me in the OR. This was, I was fairly new uh, working in surgery and because I know I was still on orientation at the time, but we were told that we were going to do an organ procurement. Typically, there's usually like a, an outside team that comes in and does takes care of those organ procurements. But um, this particular day, our OR staff was going to be helping with it. And the more details we got, the sadder <laughs> um, we got. Mm. And typically, I am an emotional person, but I typically hide that out in public, especially at work. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just how I've always been. I I kind of put this shell on. I think a lot of healthcare workers are probably like that because they gotta yeah plow through and do the work. You know exactly exactly. It started off with an honor walk. So the floor that the patient was on, um, I guess the I didn't go to that floor, but we were told that the nurses and staff lined those halls as the patient was being willed through um, because unfortunately, because of the circumstances, um, the patient was brain dead. Mm -hmm. So that's why we were doing the organ procurement for the day. They did the honor walk. Basically, what that is, is um, showing the appreciation to be able to donate your organs to help someone else's life. When the patient rolled up, when I rolled up, came up in the elevator to the floor of the OR, our OR staff was lining our hallway. Like even now I'm kind of giving goosebumps thinking about it. I have goosebumps it. too. Yeah. <laughs> Once the elevator doors opened, um, the patient's mother was laying on a bed. Oh. And as soon as I saw that, like my eyes started welling up mm. and they rolled the patient into our pre-op area, which at that part, at that time, they had no patients there, just out of respect. Mm -hmm. And as they rolled down, moments later, the other three elevators that was in that hall opened up and family came like swelling into the hall. Like, I don't even know how many people there was. This was prior to COVID. So there was a lot of family members coming in. Mm -hmm. They were saying their last goodbyes and all of a sudden I can hear this, like, it was like a scream of just sadness. And immediately I started crying because this mother sounded just like my mom when my mom cries mm. and yeah. I burst into tears. Like we see this every day and because we work in the operating room, we kind of like desensitize a little bit cause it's normal. Mm -hmm. But in that situation, like, there was nothing normal about it. I, be, I I kind of realized that we are really all humans and things happen, unfortunately. It really hit me that day. Usually I'm really good at, at hiding it all, and yeah. but I could not hold it that day. I think that was the, the most emotional day 
I've had in the operating room. So I have lots of questions. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like there isn't really words in English anyway <laughs> to describe <laughs> those feelings other than agony and like loss, sadness. I don't know. So, I mean, it sounds like that was a really emotional day, but how do you, you have long hours, you're on call all the time, you're yes. standing at your job, like you're standing constantly and yes, like you need to have good shoes and like, so and the job is, right. The job isn't easy <laughs> in any means. And I'm wondering how do you practice self-care and keep things going for yourself so that you go back to work and you enjoy what you do and you're, you are your best self. I've been really big on self-care like these past, I want to say like two or three years. Um, I've been on like this self-love, self-care journey. Um, so more recently, I try not to overextend myself, number one, because I know at the end of the day, there's patients that need care. And although, you know, I may be tired or overworked, there may not be someone else to help this person. So right. when I first started, I would really overextend myself and I would be just drained. Like it got to a point where it really started you know, I really started my burnout early and I'm like, I'm planning on being in this career for too long to be burning out this early. Yeah. Um, so one thing I do, I make sure I do this bi-weekly now, I have to get a manicure and pedicure. Okay. <laughs> That's first and foremost, especially a pedicure because I'm on my feet so much. Huge thing for me. Um, I take my time and I go to get my pedicure. I'll make sure they have a glass of wine ready for me. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. So every other um, week you do that. Definitely. Okay. Yes. All yes. Right. This actually this week was actually my week. Even though I was on call, I made sure I still got my pedicure. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. But otherwise, I I take my vacation time. That's one thing that I used to not do. I would rack up my PTO and I'm like, I have so much PTO, but I'm not I haven't taken any of it. Um I take advantage of my vacation time and I take that time to myself. Um, like I just did for my birthday. Mm -hmm. I take birthdays very seriously, whether like if you're someone very close to me, friend, relative, I go big for everyone's birthday. Oh, I love that. myself. Okay. <laughs> like if there's nothing else you should be celebrating, you should be celebrating being able to live and enjoy oh, another life. I, love I mean, another that. year. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so, so make sure I take my vacation time. <laughs> how does that work with the, with your traveling? Because do you take like 13 week assignments is really standard in the nursing world. So what is yep. a typical assignment like? Same thing for surgical techs. Okay. Um, they're 13 weeks at a time. Um, and then do you just for, take like a month off in between assignments? That's basically what I did. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. So my contract ended like two weeks before my birthday. Mm. So I'm like, I didn't want to start it and then start my second assignment. I didn't want to start my new assignment and then take a week off in between. So I was like, I'll just take, I'll just take an extended birthday vacation and just well, come back the week after my birthday. Obviously birthdays are <laughs> that important to you, yes. which they are. They're yes. amazing. I'm totally with you. <laughs> um, okay. So what do you do for birthdays? Like if um, it's that big, you need three. <laughs> you, you need three weeks to celebrate a birthday. So this year, I really wanted to go big because COVID kind of, of course, ruined everyone's birthday last yes, year. That is true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I really, it wasn't originally supposed to be three weeks, 
But when the idea popped in my head, I couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> so for this birthday, um, also planning helps tremendously because just because it's a vacation doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money. Um, Love it. <laughs> so I went to St. Thomas okay, and St. Um, John's. So that's just a little ferry over. So I visited both of those um, Virgin Islands. And um, I went home to Florida and visited family. Um, then I came back to Texas and I celebrated with some of my friends that, um, that live out here. And then I had some friends fly into Texas and celebrate with me. Um, and then I also drove from Texas to Atlanta, did a little road trip oh with my. a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> long drive. That's a long drive. But it, was, yeah. um, it was fun though. Cause you know, I had company. Yeah. So it was a little mini road trip. Um, and I, I had friends and family out there too. So I visited them for me. I think it's really, um, being able to celebrate life with the people that I care for most. How has, I just like this question popped into my head, but how has COVID mm -hmm. affected your job and what you do? So for me specifically, when COVID, um, was first making its apparent, making it its parent, its appearance, I can't talk at first, I didn't realize like how catastrophic it was about to be because I'm like, we're, we're in the OR people need surgery. This isn't going to stop. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understand how important this is, but people need to live in order to live. Some people actually need surgery. Yes. Yeah. I, that's also when I found out how many surgeries are actually technically elective. Mm. <laughs> um, so when elective surgeries were canceled. We lost a lot of our hours. But being that I worked in the OR with very critical patients, um, where I was, we continued to do liver transplants. Mm -hmm. Now, we didn't do liver transplants on COVID-positive patients, and we didn't take organs from COVID-positive patients either. We continued to do necessary open-heart surgeries. Mm -hmm. We continued to do um, necessary vascular surgeries. So although my hours were cut a little bit, it wasn't as catastrophic as maybe um, an outpatient surgery center where it's like plastics and very elective cases. Yeah. Well, and you guys wear PPE. It's OR gear. Yes. But it's PPE. Yeah. Like you, you wear it all the time. Did your supply Correct. chain get affected by anything? Like did you have to ration anything? Well, they actually – because I was, I was on staff when COVID first um, – hit and they kind of caught it early and they started trying to I don't really want to say ration because it wasn't that bad um where but I like was thankfully because they caught it early yeah they were tracking okay. it they were holding um they would only give you an N95 mask if you were going to be doing a respiratory like surgery where you're in the respiratory system or in the airway you'd have to do a trach or something like that okay um and then regular mask they wanted us to try to use one mask for the whole day, but some surgeries you get blood on your mask. Right. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. That, so. Like that just seems gross to me. Like one mask the whole day, like no matter what yeah. you're doing. I mean, I get coughed at all the time because I'm talking to people face to face. Yeah. I get coughed at <laughs> all the time. And I'm just like one mask and then I go into another room and I get coughed at by another person. And I would think that it would be like really similar. Like you get some blood spatter, even if it's like microscopic, like microscopic blood splatter on your mask. Yeah. And then you like 
go to the next OR room and do another case and you have microscopic blood splatter on your mask. Like it doesn't make any sense to me, but like hopefully like where I'm at, it's improved. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you're not doing that anymore. No. (laughs) Um, And hopefully that was very short lived. No pun intended. Thankfully. Um, <laughs> well, Tatiana, I think there's a, I know, right? Like that there's my coping mechanism, like dark humor and, and podcasting. So if people are like, I want to learn more about what you do, or I want to learn from you because I take care of post-operative patients, things like that. Mm-hmm. If they're interested, mm-hmm. how do they find you? So I have my Instagram page, which is underscore for the love of surgery, um, F-O-R. And then I'm also um, working on a website, which is uh, www.fortheloveofsurgery.com, where I'm working on um, releasing like blogs and different type of education help for students that are going into surgical technology. And on my Instagram page, I share a lot of like day to day. I share different um, instruments that I use. I show my setups. Early on when I first started posting, I was showing a lot of um, different techniques that I was learning and all that stuff is on my page. There's information on information on taking the surgical tech exam and the information that I use to study and pass my exam. So I have all that stuff. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I was poking around on your page and all of a sudden I came across this thing that you pulled out of somebody (laughs) and you were like, (laughs) guess what it is. And I'm like, oh my God, like (laughs) I'm looking at it and I'm like, I literally don't know. And then I read the caption, but like, I'm sure you, you seem to come across all sorts of interesting things. So um, thank you so much for being here and for representing this role on Dose of Support. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is actually great. This is my first podcast and I listen to podcasts all the time. So this is awesome. (laughs) Well, you're so welcome back anytime. And thank you listeners for being here and we'll be back in your ears soon. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, online at doseofsupport.com and give us a dose of support with a rating, review, or donation on Patreon. Dose of Support is organized, contracted, written, recorded, edited, mixed, produced, published, marketed by me, Dr. Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I will be back in your ears next time with another dose of support.